everybody, welcome to Campus Comics Cast, coming to you from Carbondale, Illinois, with special guests from the Campus Comics crew. And now, here's your host, the man with the previews in hand, Mike No. Hello everybody and welcome to an extra, extra super special edition of Campus Comics Cast. We're coming to you and this is so important we're in the back room at Campus Comics here. But that's just a matter of convenience because the tables are all set back, <laughs> set up back here because we had a lot of guests and a lot of uh, artists come in today. Um, it was Batman Day. We were basking in the afterglow of uh, the uh, Batman Day celebration and I just want to Give a shout out. Uh, thank you to everybody that came out to make that such a great event. Um, thanks to David Clark and Matthew Miller and Joe Dodd. Uh, one of the guests here, we'll mention him by name later, but of course Clyde <laughs> and Virginia Hall that came as, uh, uh, as uh, Alfred and Aunt Harriet. And also uh, Lyndall Williams and Mona Little came out as the Joker and... Uh, Catwoman. There we go. So just thanks to everybody that makes it such a great day. Uh, the reason I skipped one of the guests is because he is actually joining us for this podcast tonight, and that is Mr. Brian Morris, publisher extraordinaire. <laughs> so so he was back here uh, peddling his wares and just talking to everybody and keeping things lively, and we we're just glad to have you with us, Brian. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be had. Well, good day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, joining myself and Brian, well, I am Mike No. I guess I should mention that, owner-operator here at Campus Comics right on Main Street here in Carbondale, um, and joining to round this uh, discussion out, we've got Scott Reed and Dan Brown. So we're going to talk about a few things. Well, we, sh- we should mention that this, I guess, is the closest to a one-year anniversary podcast now. that we're going to have. So right. we're two days after the official one year, and this will be our 25th episode. 25th so. episode. Yeah. So Congratulations. Well, thank you. <laughs> it flies by. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Better turn my phone off here. Sorry to be so rude. But anyway, we got a couple of things we uh, want to talk about tonight since... Brian's with us, and just some other stuff that's on our mind anyway. Uh, first of all, unfortunately, you know, start on a sad note and go up from there. We lost a couple of uh, greats within the uh, the comic book world. First off being uh, Gary Friedrich, um, who is the co-creator mm-hmm. of the... Uh, Despite what Marvel says. Right. <laughs> <laughs> of the uh, revamp, I guess, the 70s revamp of the Ghost Rider mm-hmm. character, the motorcycle riding one definitely went on to be more popular than its predecessor mm-hmm. i believe uh but we did lose him this uh i don't know when when that was i think both the announcements were like on august 30th okay so yeah that's right, right around august 30th is when they they announced or at least they announced their passings on those days so. right and i know working local cons because he was fairly local jackson yeah. missouri yeah. right yes. Mm-hmm. yeah yes mm-hmm. basically part of that st louis missouri crew with roy thomas and and him and others as well so, denny yeah. o'neill was another yeah. one yeah gotcha Okay, so uh, I know you. I know Brian's met him a few times. Do you have any specific stories you want to tell about Gary or anything you want to share? I don't really have anything specific uh-huh. except that he was a very generous man with his time and his mm-hmm. knowledge. Yes. He was very personable mm-hmm. um, and really appreciated when cosplayers dolled themselves up as the Ghost Rider. Mm-hmm. Um, he always seemed to appreciate the attention given to him, especially after being out of the industry for so long. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Um, I did find out that at one point he was living very close to where I was in Danville, Illinois. Mm-hmm. That somehow he had managed to wind up working in a theater um, <laughs> with some friends of mine. And of course, my my friend, my oldest friend from college and I were talking one day about comics we liked. And of course, Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos mm-hmm. came up. And Gary had that amazing run with Dick Ayers and John Severin on the book. And we were saying how much we like Gary Friedrich. We thought he was a great writer. And suddenly my friend's wife goes, oh, him? Yeah, I worked with him. And we're like, what? Why didn't you tell us? You know, and we were all fanboying all over oh, her. So, uh, mm-hmm. But we, we we all got to meet him eventually. And uh, he, like I said, he was a real gentleman and just just a really cool guy to hang out with. So nice. And Scott, you've got kind of a special... Yeah, I've got, yeah. I got to meet him several times uh, for our, our comic book convention. Uh, Berg Comics Con. Uh, he was actually our our first like professional guest for like the second convention. Um, I've got I've got one story related to that. I'm going to back up. Uh, first time I remember meeting him though was at a very very poorly attended convention in Metropolis, uh, Illinois, one year. So um, after as the show was not a whole lot was happening, he went around and was pilfering through my boxes of comics. You know, because um, this was about the time where he was really getting into all the legal trouble with Marvel. So he was you know signing books to sell just so he could you know uh, make some money and take care of some you know court costs and, and probably even living funds and he comes he comes over to my table and uh, I had a couple of issues of original Ghost Rider which were reprints of some of the actual you know like Marvel Spotlight issues in like my 50 cent bin or something like that and he said he asked me he says so these are 50 cents a piece and I said I said yeah he says let me go around to my table and uh, get you some money I said you know what I think you can have those <laughs> <laughs> so I got to give some Ghost Rider comic nice. books to uh, Gary Friedrich and then the, I mentioned he was the uh, special guest at our, our second convention and uh, the day it was kind of late in the day you know how comic conventions they get towards the end mm-hmm. things start to slow down well I look over at his table and he was kind of sitting in a, you know, just a regular metal folding chair, and his arms were kind of down at his side, and uh, his eyes had closed, and all of a sudden, he just starts going forward, just straight, <laughs> and it gets to the point where he's, his chest is literally laying on top of his legs, and the thought that is going through my mind is, oh my gosh, Gary Friedrich just died at my convention. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but fortunately, you know, because he's actually been in poor health for quite a while now, but um, but uh, fortunately, he got back up. <laughs> oh goodness! So, Gave so you a yeah. start. Yeah. Uh, so that. But anyway. So, but he was yeah, like Brian said. He was. I mean, he came to Harrisburg, Illinois, for a comic book convention. Wow. You know. Mm-hmm. So, and he didn't ask a whole lot. You know, to, to come. So it was. You know, it was. He just seemed like a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. Got to talk to him again at um, at Louisville, and he actually remembered me. So that's always nice when you bump into a creator huh. that you know um, that you know remembers you. So. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's. It's sad that he's that he's left us, and it's. It's really the bigger sadness, though, is just the the poor treatment that he received from Marvel. Wow. You know, so what was that, that all about? Rights to the character? Yeah. So rights what? to the character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, basically, he's like, like post movie, right? Well, it was, I was, it was around the. Yeah, it was right. Mm-hmm. And basically, you know, the argument was is that Marvel had failed to do something to maintain the rights. Uh, so he felt like he had rights back to the character, and then of course, out of the end of the lawsuit, you know, it was kind of like that whole contract, you know, for or hire a contract for work, whatever the term they throw around is. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was ridiculous is out of that settlement, 
they in addition to they actually you know he had to pay like fifteen thousand dollars to Marvel for like selling prints and stuff that he was signing, uh, yeah, and that he was not allowed to even say that he was the co-creator of Ghost Rider, even though when you look at the page of Marvel Spotlight number five, it says right there, you know, in ink, you know, that he is that. So right. he really did kind of get the short end of the short end of the stick from Marvel. So mm-hmm. and not being the artist with the. You know, being an artist with you know the the credentials of some of the other ones, there wasn't a whole lot of people you know necessarily fighting for him like they were for some of the early early creators. So. Right, right. Okay. Uh, the other uh, person that, like you mentioned uh, early in the past, right around the same time, uh, was one of the uh, got to be a pioneer back in the day of you know as far yes. as creators just in the eight in that age of comics and let alone being a a, a female creator mm-hmm. in that time that just had to be I should had to be even more of a man's world game than it was than it is now mm-hmm. but that of course is the the marie severin who we also lost and um, i know i mean she's mostly known as a colorist as yes. i recall mm-hmm. and i know she did some work for ec comics mm-hmm. and uh, stuff like that does anybody really have anything really to share with that i just i looked on like you know comic book uh-huh. db which is the resource for a lot of stuff but she did work as a, a penciler inker colorless yeah. editor writer jill of all trades i guess uh-huh. you could say um, right. and and of course with the with the marvel bullpen method she probably has done a lot more work than she's actually technically been credited for doing mm-hmm. um you know and you hear stories about her you were telling you know right something's penciling over other people's works you know in, in certain circumstances yeah so she's she is a creator that i really wish i knew more about exactly. than what i do yeah um but because you know we tend to focus more on the people who've done a lot of writing mm-hmm. and a lot of penciling and she's done a little bit of everything mm-hmm. <laughs> in well, like the industry said, I, I, probably stuff we don't know one of the things that was actually brought to my attention by one of the guys that collects silver age comics because one of the issues he really wants is that first um Incredible Hulk annual number one. It's the real iconic cover where the Hulk's bent over and it's got the word Hulk the on it. The Jim Steranko yeah. cover and yeah. then written by Gary Friedrich. Right. Oh. Yes. Oh, there you go. And that Steranko cover, mm-hmm. I guess they didn't like his face, so they had Marie Severin right. redo the face right. on that cover. Right. And right. for a couple of years, she was actually the cover designer of many Marvel comics from about uh, 1970 like into the mid 70s. So okay. you can see her distinctive layouts mm-hmm. on a number of things, but I and I happened to see the comic laying on your counter earlier that right. reminded me no. not brand ech. Uh-huh. Yeah. She <laughs> had a great dramatic style that she used on things like Submariner and the Hulk and mm-hmm. Doctor Strange, but she was also an incredible cartoonist mm-hmm. doing a lot of humorous work uh, for right. Marvel in there in not brand ech and in spoof and I think crazy, crazy for yeah. a while. Yeah. Uh, uh, plus, she did a number of cartoons that if you go online or look in old issues of Boom, you'll see <laughs> that she did a lot of caricatures of the Marvel bullpen mm-hmm. at the time. And she was just, like, whipping those out left and right. Wow. And somebody would, like, assemble a book of those, um, shut up and take my money. Uh-huh. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, there was a... I hope I'm not misspeaking, but, I, you know, she does date back to... Working with EC Comics, yeah. you know, which was mm-hmm. quite controversial back in the day, right. you know, especially in the seduction of the innocent age mm-hmm. and all that stuff going on there. And I believe it was Marie Severin that would talk about going to work, you know, and actually fearing for her life oh, whenever sure. she would enter into the offices because people knew that's where mm-hmm. EC was located. So she would not tell people where she worked. Mm-hmm. She would not tell them what she did for a living. Mm-hmm. and for Because I don't know, it's just really interesting from a historical perspective to look at what comic books did it was probably the first 
predating rock and roll for that whole generation gap thing because mm-hmm. kids love comics parents hated them mm-hmm. you know and it was just like that was a form of rebellion was to right. read comics and stuff like that and for the people just the amount of hate that those people received you know yeah. so just soldier on and continue to work that again especially as a, a sure. female at the time you know sure. it's pretty interesting time period so yeah. i hope i'm not misquoting either way even if that wasn't marie severin that was something that happened and the, yeah. the thing <laughs> that was going on but i believe it was yeah and also yeah. her brother was john severin mm-hmm. and the two of them did a run of cull the conqueror that was just absolutely breathtaking huh. really good stuff i wish they'd done more more work together so. okay is that the Marvel Call the Conqueror? Yeah, yes. Oh, okay. Really? Mm-hmm. I need to look at some of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was trying to think. I thought I remembered hearing that she designed someone's costume at yep. Marvel, so I looked it up. It's, it's the original Spider-Woman. Spider Woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, according to Wikipedia, she also designed the art for the Spider-Man and Hulk toilet paper. Oh, well. So <laughs> as, I have. Do you? Oh, yes, I have. Cool. Yes. Well, right. As an artist, I've had people figuratively treat my art like toilet paper. <laughs> she, got, she got the literal end of that. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. So... Uh, again, you know, hate to see anybody pass and mm-hmm. just losses to the industry, mm-hmm. you know, and people that were actually, you know, pioneers and, you know, did some special things in the, in their time. So, and, and speaking speaking of losses, I guess to segue into talking about Fantastic Four number one, Marvel did do a pretty nice thing in the first few pages of FF number one. They got a nice little four page tribute yeah. to Steve Ditko, which oh, okay. I was oh, which cool. I was really really glad to see, and they, they right. showed you know Eternity and and. Uh, now, what's kind of what's kind of interesting is this first little blurb about him is not attributed to anybody, any one particular writer. So I don't know if that was Dan Slott that wrote that on that blurb or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then they also have Joe Casada and C.B. Sabolsky and Nick mm-hmm. Lowe, and they show the the, the uh, panels of the classic Spider Amazing Spider-Man issue where he's trapped underneath and he's got to oh, yeah. get free. So they yeah. show that uh, show that reprinted here. But it's a really really nice and it's surprising that they they dedicated four pages uh, to that. So. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a good move on Marvel's part, I thought. So, okay. I don't know if this was in any other books that month. Do you know, or is it just in? Not reading too much regular yeah. Marvel to yeah. know. It wasn't in the Star Wars books. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, right, right. So I guess this was going to be a, their big seller for the month. So yeah. I mean, they picked a good book to put it in. That's for that's sure. Mm-hmm. So. You think it's picking up that fan? I don't, too I don't know. Much. I can turn it off if you want me to. I, I just realize there's a fan running yeah, in the back. I, I, I think know. it'll be okay. I think it'll be okay. okay. Yeah. All we're, right. We're, fill, we're, li- we're taping this in the middle of a Scirocco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just appreciate the danger we're going yeah, through for right, exactly. entertainment here. So, all right. Well, since Scott gave us that fine segue, that'll lead us right into uh, the uh, long awaited. Mm-hmm. A reboot of mm-hmm. the Fantastic Four comic book at uh, the House of Ideas at Marvel Comics. Um, of course, you know, I guess they foresaw the writing on the wall and guess decided to get out of their contest with, you know, Fox and go ahead and put an FF book back out since mm-hmm. they didn't write to make movies for a long time. How long was the break that they weren't doing an FF book because they didn't want to support years. any yeah, of the movies? Five, six yeah. years, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. So was it the Hickman run? Was that the last Yeah, I believe you're thing? right. I believe so. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. too long. Yes. Right. For sure. So, anyway, they did uh, relaunch Fantastic Four back at uh, number one again. Mm-hmm. With what? Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. Legacy number 646 uh, is oh, on the front cover. Oh, yeah, because yes. we're getting 650 in a couple uh, months, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. I think they said. 646. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is it? Oh, so it's not number one. Okay. I don't yeah. have to worry oh, there. Yeah. 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 We're good now. 
46. I read that as number one. Stan and Jan, Jack were in great form. Yeah, I think. And, uh, <laughs> I'm, well, at least I'm glad they're putting the legacy numbers on there. Yeah. So yeah. For yeah. people who like to keep things in order. Right. right. It'll be a little yeah, bit easier that's... moving forward. But it's going right. to be a mess. It's a mess to figure out order to put yeah. Marvel books in. But that's neither here nor there. Right. So. But it is. So anyway, this... Uh, Iteration of it is written by Dan Slott, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. art by Sarah Pacelli. Sarah Pacelli. Yeah, we okay. actually got three stories. So you got okay. one, the FF stories by Sarah Pacelli. You've got a Doom story by Simone Bianchi. And then an Impossible Man one pager yeah. <laughs> by Scotty Young. So, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, so mm-hmm. I had somebody comment on here is just, uh, you know, they hadn't read FF number one yet. But, uh, I mean, just kind of chase a rabbit here for a little bit, but this person's comment was like, "There's no way this book is going to be as good as Marvel Two and One." You know what Marvel, I mean? Marvel Two and One's been really strong. Has anyone else here been reading that? I still haven't picked it up yet. Okay, so. it's it's yeah. it's a solid book, and I was really gonna, I was bummed out thinking they're gonna cancel at least that storyline mm-hmm. in Marvel Two and One because Fantastic Four is back. But it looks like, according to you know previews, and we've talked about this on the other episodes, it looks like they are kind of continuing, you know, the Fantastic Four team up aspect. Of that book, so but it's been a good lead into this, you Very know, with good. just Johnny and Ben running around trying to find mm-hmm. Reed. Now and they Sue. think Sue and Reed's dead. Well, Johnny thinks that they're still alive, and Ben is convinced that they are deceased. Okay, so, yeah, gotcha. And Johnny, having been thought dead before, he's got some experience <laughs> right. in this area. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> right, yield to the expertise. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah, just just that aspect of it's been really good because Ben just thinks he's leading Johnny around. He thinks he's lying to Johnny and just trying to make him feel better. Right. And Doom knows now, so that's played into the storyline. It's been <laughs> really good. Good. So. Well, so, this, this kind of, I mean. The most of this story still also focuses in on uh, on Ben and Johnny, so it really yeah. does feel like a, what I think imagine the Marvel Two in One book would have felt. Yeah, like. Yeah, it definitely feels it, so. connected to that yeah. story. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, so I mean, basically, what we have going on here is is uh, you do get the voice of all four of the Fantastic Four on the first page, um, talking you know a little bit about them. We go into you know what with uh, Ben with Alicia. And Johnny's at a Johnny's at a ball game with uh, Wyatt Wingfoot, which I thought was nice to see him him Wyatt back. back. And yeah, then it was like when some, they have him in there. Yeah. Um, so they're just kind of going about their lives up until the point where a Fantastic Four signal pops up in the air, and of course <laughs> Johnny is convinced that they're back at that point, and Ben is of course you know still under thinks that they're deceased. So they kind of have shows their reactions to what goes on, which I thought was kind of a, a nice uh, you know nice touch that we can get. You know, still see that continuation from Marvel Two and One. So, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. And speaking of, you know, I mean, not that there's this kind of chasing another rabbit, which I'm gonna do. (laughs) I'll do it. But I did. uh, Not that comic book weddings have gotten a, you know, have had a great history. (laughs) Well, yeah. But I did get an invitation in the mail to yesterday. Literally at the shop, I got Mm -hmm. an invitation in the mail. To the invitation to Ben and, and Alicia's wedding. wedding. Yeah, so that actually so. has some good moments here okay. uh, in that issue. So oh. one thing that I thought was odd is that okay, so we quickly t- learned that the the Fantastic Four in the sky was actually from the Yancey Street Gang, basically you know trolling oh. trolling them. Oh, those guys. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, now which champs? <laughs> yeah. Now they actually show the a couple of members of the Yancey Street Gang, which I thought historically they they were always off panel. Now has that changed? At one point, it was revealed to be John. Oh, really? Yes, it was, nice. it was, always, it was always Johnny. Oh, okay. I've I assume that. they've retconned that. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Well, but, yeah, he, they, you know, spoilers, you know, they broke into Ben's house and grabbed an old flare gun and shot it off. Mm-hmm, you know, that's what's happened. 
but and every anytime I read a Human Torch thing story, it is I always there was an issue of Marvel fanfare where Ben is thinks he's alone inside the Baxter building. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, crazy stuff oh, starts yeah, happening yeah. to him. Well, it ends up that it's Johnny playing an April Fool's Day trick on him. But it ends up that it's actually March 31st because Johnny forgot that there were 31 days in March. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those crazy kids. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. that's funny. But uh, so I guess what, you know, so moving forward, we do get the fact that they, oh, it was just a false alarm. I did like the touch where they show some of the other members of the Fantastic yeah. Four. Uh, brief interview. I'd forgotten that Luke Cage was part of the Fantastic right. Four. Sweet for, Christmas. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, but they show. Yeah. And I like, I like they're talking to Jennifer Walters, mm-hmm. not She-Hulk. Not She-Hulk, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, Jennifer Walters gets brought in to defend the, you know, those Yancey Street Gang uh, scamps. But then we get a nice, like, lost story of the uh, Fantastic Four. And this, this, this little short story, this little just, what, four or five pages, right, is... You know, this is why we've missed the Fantastic Four in the Marvel Universe because yeah. we, this is a type of story that really almost no other group in the Marvel Universe can tell, where it's this conversation going on amongst a family. So, mm-hmm. you know, really, this is the you know the first family of Marvel, and it's it's kind of funny where he's like somebody has to sing, you know, and this is you know obviously great, you know, exciting storytelling, but uh, that was a little sarcasm there. <laughs> but you know, Sue thinks that she's got the best voice and everybody else universally says, Nope, it's Johnny. <laughs> so even Sue's kids say, Nope, it's Johnny <laughs> So that was kind of a you know, again, that's just a type of story you don't get yeah. in Marvel Family. without the Fantastic yeah. Four. Well mm-hmm. maybe Dazzler. In this group, the best voice inside of this group. Right. So, mm-hmm. but Ben, I guess it was Ben that retold that story, right? Yeah. I so, so. Mm-hmm. Ben recounts that story to them. Um, anything to say before we go on? So, no. <laughs> no so, all right. Well, okay. So then, this is the moment that Mike was alluding to. So, uh, Ben shows up at um, Alicia's apartment. And, uh, of course, Alicia has trouble finding him because Ben is down on a knee. So he has to, what, tell her to, you know, like, what, a little lower and to the left or something. Something like, yeah, go go to your right, check your 3 o'clock because he's down on his knee. And before he can even finish proposing, she says yes. So there's a nice little page there, um, which that's that's a nice. But, again, I'm a little jaded about yeah, this. Right. You yeah. know, and after, and I, th- I think that's what's supposed to be in 650 is what I've heard. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, so if you haven't taken back your tux from the uh, Bruce Wayne Sweeney and the Kyle <laughs> wedding, you could still yeah. use it. Yeah. Or the Kitty Pride and Colossus <laughs> wedding. Yeah. yeah. But then we get this, and this is kind of like the, I don't know, the, the tense moment, I guess, of the yeah. of the story where uh, uh, Ben and Alicia ask Johnny, and of course Ben says, hey, you know, you're like family to me, will you be my best man? And instead of him reacting in a positive <laughs> method, it's like, he just assumes that oh, you're still convinced that you know Reed is dead and Reed should be your best man whenever he gets back. But then Johnny comes to his senses and of course um, agrees. And then here's where we get the moment where you know the sky goes blue. We'll actually get a little bit of a, a thing going on with actually we see Reed and Sue the first time officially, you know, in the book. And then basically outer space fills up with the four um, that basically all of New York and I guess half the globe actually is able to see. And then it mm-hmm. wraps up with that. Uh, wraps up with that image so it's like maybe they're going to be back Here, so. here's the thing with the way they've drawn this won't that four look backwards to everybody <laughs> on earth <laughs> yeah so. good point <laughs> yeah and i'm losing from that perspective we're seeing the side of it 
Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the Earth is seeing like the number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seeing the short end. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, so, I mean, it was kind of, I would have expected going into this that this would have been a story that they would have, the first page, they would have all been back together and then they would have told how they got back together. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of like it that they actually are going to play it out this way and they're really going to kind of let it just progress a little mm-hmm. bit. So that was that was kind of nice. I, you know, Dan Slott's always been a solid writer. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is a solid story. So I'm, you know. It's a good start. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. a good start. Yeah, so it's definitely not, you know, making me regret reading it. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, so. and I'm, I'm a pretty fair weather reader with the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Like, there has to be a good team on exactly. here for me to pick it up. Mm-hmm. And I'm already, you know, in on this run mm-hmm. so far. So they're yeah, going to have to really good. mess this up for me to drop the book. Yeah, you know, the Hickman run was really good. The Walt Simonson run was mm-hmm. really, really good. It was a good burn run, you know, yeah. for quite a while. So, Wade, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Wade Laringo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I even like the uh, DeFalco uh, Ryan run, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's always something happening, and that's, mm-hmm. I think, been one of the cornerstones of the FF from their inception is the fact that it's always changing. There's always yeah. something going on, mm-hmm. and there's that family feel and a little bit of mm-hmm. humor to it. Right. Uh, it's just always a well, under the right teams, to me, it was always a well balanced book. Mm-hmm. So. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean,. It just we're just glad to have the FF yeah. back yeah. in Marvel because that's where it started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. The whole Marvel age, you know, mm-hmm. Marvel comics, yeah. and yeah. they're getting in the superhero game and all that stuff. This was it, you know. And they yeah, and, it, and the thing is, it was politics is why we weren't getting a book. There right. wasn't yes. like a right. valid reason for it. It's just exactly people, you know, being petty. Yeah, you know, right. Well, I will say at conventions. I don't sell. I haven't historically sold a whole lot of Fantastic Four mm-hmm. books, mm-hmm. so I can almost understand it from a uh, you know, like from a you know a well, profit yeah, standpoint. Yeah, but that wasn't the reason we were getting. That, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. If it was just poor sales, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, they would have rebooted it before now. Yeah, if it were just mm-hmm. poor sales, right? Mm-hmm. So right. So yeah, there was a little stuff going on there. But but so. recently, people requesting FF has actually been on the upswing mm-hmm. because they're finally bringing it back. Yeah, so, right. And yeah. I did. I did hear an interview with Dan Slott the other day too, where he was talking about it, and they were like, "What do you want to do after Spider Man?" And he was like, "Fantastic Four. And they were like, "We're not doing a Fantastic Four book right now." He's like, "I want to do Fantastic Four. So I think that was probably part of it on their end too. I was wanting to keep him in house and happy, yeah. happy, you know. Yeah. Instead of losing him to someplace else again, like <laughs> right. happening lately. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, all right. Well, sounds well, like a good, 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 good uh, backup story. Backup Doom story. Nice. Simone Bianchi art, really mm-hmm. great, really appropriate for Doom. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and I hope this is something I hope they continue to do. I hope for at least the first two or three arcs that they have a backup Doom story, or yeah. even if it's a backup of some other character from. from yeah, you know, that'd be, be cool. Because I mean, Infamous Iron Man, where Doom was for a while taking over the role of Iron Man, that was a real, really solid story. So I th- Doom can carry a book, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and uh, so this would be. Uh, I'm as interested in this backup story um, moving forward as I am from the main from the main story. And wasn't that you, Dan, that was saying that the back to Marvel two and one that annual that had Doom in it that actually got into the the motivation for him being to the infamous yeah. Iron Man? Yeah, yeah, and, and that kinda, was really it's solid. It kind of links up like sort of I think what happened after Secret War, so I think mm-hmm. with that kind of okay. bridging that. Right. But yeah, but yeah, if you skip the annual for that book, go back and get it because it's an important part of that story. And Ben, our, the thing was actually part of that infamous Iron Man story oh, line as well. Mm-hmm. Shield Shield uh, sends Ben Grimm to go get find Doctor Doom, figure out what he's doing. Oh. So and <laughs> oh, he's yeah. he and he's just assuming that it's you know it's not for real. So he right. basically is oh, always yeah. in trying to beat him up. So. Right. <laughs> 
and, and and then the last page is that Impossible Man story. And I always liked Impossible Man. Yeah. But uh, you know, drawn by Scotty Young, but it's like he's expressing the frustration of well, they're not back together. It's the first issue. Why aren't they back together? Right. And he gets a letter from Marvel saying they'll be back together in issue two. We promise. So, so <laughs> that was because yeah. I, I, I think that would probably be a pretty common reaction. So yeah, they're right. they're actually getting ahead Addressing of it. it. Uh, <laughs> so I guess Dan yeah. Slott is ahead of you know what he thinks the big criticism might be for the first issue. So and <laughs> it's a fun little after credit page. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> after credits in comics now. So, all so right. I'm glad they're back. So yes, indeed. <laughs> All right, sounds like a good start. Uh, moving on, the next thing we're going to talk about is uh, the possible, maybe, whatever, yeah. firing of Henry Cavill mm-hmm. from as the role of Superman over at Warner Brothers DC uh, Extended Universe, whatever they want to call it. But supposedly he was out, and we're hearing all kinds of stuff. Yeah, nothing uh, official yet. Nothing though, official right? yeah. yet. So. Yeah. And again, here, Henry's out. And tomorrow this could all change. And, yeah, and all that stuff going on. So... Um, so what have you guys all read about any of this stuff that's happening? How do you feel about it? I mean, I think if the DC universe in the movies has problems, and I'm not saying it doesn't. I've enjoyed the movies more mm-hmm. than probably you hear the general criticism. Right. Of. I've enjoyed them fine. But whatever problems they have, Henry Cavill, the Superman, was not one of no. them. No. Oh, far to from me. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, from I, I don't think I, any of the actors are the problems for me in these movies mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. that I can think of right off. But it's like it's definitely not him. No. I right. think I think if anything with his character, they wrote him into a corner with Clark Kent at the end of Man of Steel. Right. But again, that's not his fault. You yes. know, that's the writers. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Writers and directors and the powers that be, the what direction they're going to take. Yeah. Right. You know. So. Yeah, I, I. The big criticism that on any of those is that they're too dark, and mm-hmm. it's just like. Man of Steel is like still my favorite Superman movie, so right. I, I mean I know I'm in the minority. I you know I, I would take Cavill over uh, Reeves, and that's sacrilegious to say for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I agree that Cavill is not the problem with the with the DC movies. It seems like there's if it's true, and at this point we still don't know if it's true that he's mm-hmm. officially out or not. Um, it, that's it, it seems like there's some other reasons why yeah. they're they're making right. this move. So mm-hmm. I, and I think it's a mistake that they should pull. Yeah, him, and the thing so. is too, like we've still never got official word on whether Affleck's Affleck. coming mm-hmm. back, right? Yeah. So right. if he's gone and Cavill's gone, are we rebooting at that point? Yeah. Like and you what might as well. Because yeah. yeah. I feel like they don't want they don't want Gal Gadot to leave, right? You know, because it's you like she, they've got a successful Wonder Woman mm-hmm. movie. They've got another one on the way. Mm-hmm. You know, we're at least getting you know Aquaman is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you know for the most part you would think. And then we've got another Wonder Woman movie coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are they doing after that? It all seems kind of up in the and air. Fl- still. Well, Flash. We got yeah, Flash, Flash as well. Still Ezra the Miller yeah. still out but there. But like, that's not in production or anything like that. I thought, I thought it hasn't started yet. No, I think I don't it's think it's in, it may be in pre-production okay. from what I've so read. Nothing committed I, I, to I thought they had. I thought, I thought they lost another director. I thought, I thought they had three release dates moving forward. So maybe I just may not remembering correctly. So, and I think the director you may be thinking of. I think it's kind of iffy with the. Whoever the latest Batman director is, because yeah. they're not sure whether Affleck will be in or right. out at yeah. this point. Uh, yeah, I was reading the Hollywood Reporter online last week when the story broke, mm-hmm. and if if you look at it carefully, it doesn't it doesn't really say well, you know, goodbye Henry. It's just that uh, Henry's a busy guy. Yeah. Gee, darn it! <laughs> he, other people want him too. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe on the strength that he was, I agree, he was an awesome Superman. Right. He really carried the mantle. Uh-huh. Um, in fact, I think um, just watching him in Man of Steel, 
uh, his real superpower was acting his backside off to save it from the script, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. But uh, nothing says that he's out. It's just that I think it's one of those things like when you invite someone to your parties and they keep, oh, I can't go, I've got mm-hmm. this going, oh, I can't. <laughs> you stop inviting them after a certain point. Mm-hmm. And the idea also that the, was, I believe it was the Hollywood Reporter again that brought it up, was that Warner's looked at the success of Wonder Woman mm-hmm. and how it really hit a chord in the viewing public around the globe. And so now they're moving into Supergirl, uh, a potential Supergirl movie, which, you know, might work, might not. I hate the idea that it might be competing with the TV show. Well, I, and I, I personally think that Supergirl is a different situation. I expect Supergirl not to do very good because Supergirl is a derivative character out of Superman. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I can't imagine if they started the Marvel Cinematic Universe with uh, War Machine instead of Iron Man. That, right. Yeah. Who would have cared? Around that. Yeah, yeah. who would have cared? In the same way with Supergirl, we've already, you know, she's derivative of Superman. And, right. And how does this make any more sense doing this than like saying if Affleck's out? Okay, so if Affleck's out, let's just let's just go with a Batgirl movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> would they really do that? You know what okay, I mean? Okay, I, I think we talked about this before. What was the rationale? I think you explained it to me, Scott, but now I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Was they're saying they were going with a Supergirl movie, so they needed a younger Superman? No, they. Or what was the okay? Deal? So my understanding is, and is, is it actually doesn't have a whole lot to do with a Supergirl movie. Okay, it's that he they wanted him to do a cameo in the Shazam movie, right? Right, and his scheduling did not allow him to actually mm-hmm. do that to do that cameo because in the Supergirl movie it's actually going to take place on Krypton so it's going to be her as a I don't know because she's technically older than Superman Mm -hmm. so you know uh, Superman would actually be an infant probably or very very young so obviously Cavill's not going to be able to play that role without some crazy CGI (laughs) (laughs) CGI a mustache on the kid (laughs) (laughs) I tell tell you what their poor CGI skills are not his fault (laughs) it's not his fault they can't remove a mustache properly So, but yeah, so that was, okay. that was my understanding where a lot of this comes from is it's over a cameo appearance, which to me, that's just that somebody just wants out. Mm-hmm. They want him out and they want to reboot or he wants, he wants out, out to pursue, pursue yeah. other projects. Yeah, because he's got a Netflix series yeah, based on The Witcher, right? Witcher. Yeah. Yeah. Like, who, who's going to pass up a Netflix series yeah. in this day exactly. and age? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know. Mm-hmm. And he's gotten some pretty big roles here lately. Because lately he's been what the Mission Impossible movie, right? Yeah. And so he's not uh, he's not a nobody. I mean, even even Hollywood Man now. from Uncle was pretty good that he did mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Yeah, I really liked him. That. In that. I thought he had a really good look for that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I hope I I I hope this is all just you know internet speculation that right. this is not actually but the case. Yeah, that never, never happens, happens online. <laughs> it's online. It's true. Yeah. All the experts I mean, online. Yeah, you right. betcha. Having said that, though, you figure they would have just come out and squashed it if there wasn't something to it. Right. You know, exactly. they, you think yeah. they would have shut that down. And, and, and well, of course, and, and nobody's actually saying anything because even like, you know, if you've seen online, Cavill's got this kind of weird, it was either Twitter or Instagram or, or something where he's there with like a kryptonite workout shirt on or something like that and he's, yeah. he holds up a Man of Steel action figure and then he pulls it back down, doesn't say anything. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yes, no. Maybe. Maybe. Now you know. see me. Now you know. I was the man of steel. Maybe I'm not. I do know. <laughs> now it's all just publicity ploys, yeah. is all this is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, We're still is. going. So, with that said, and I'm terrible at these casting <laughs> things, I'm terrible at them, so I bow out. But, but Dan says they do this all the time at work. Yeah. 
So he yeah, works in an awesome huh? <laughs> at my day job. <laughs> yeah, that is day job. But uh, so you guys have casting. If, so if they're going to recast Cavill, do you say just recast <laughs> well, everything, reboot, it, it, except it, for Gal Gadot? Maybe you, you talked <laughs> about being bad at this, and uh, like, and then Dan suggested, well, we recast see who we would recast as Superman. I said, oh, well, let's just recast the whole Justice League, and then I realized I have no idea. So I sat down and tried to make this <laughs> and list, Dan's and I'm like, regretting great it. Idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll teach you. <laughs> Although I, I was pressured into actually coming up with a couple of answers. Oh, so. yeah. good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So what you got, Dan? Okay. Do we just want to go around to everybody? He's like, pick a character. We all go, or well, just you go wanna, everybody's list. Okay. Well, I guess we're we gonna do Superman, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Cyborg, Green Lantern, Flash. Is that what we're doing? Like, I didn't do Martian Manhunter. I, I did. Okay, you did. <laughs> wow. I, okay, that's efficiency. <laughs> I, I, I can. I have a suggestion for Martian Manhunter. So I can. I mean, we down. could we could do whatever. Oh, one, we, one at a time. We, all, we all have different teams, you know. Too could be. Yeah. Mar- so. Do one. Let's start start a Superman. Okay. You go. Okay, I'm going to throw this out there. Uh, if you've read my blog for a long time, you know I've already said this before. People usually balk, and I have to explain this. And I know there's no way this is going to happen You're right not going to say Nick Cage, are you? Chris Pratt is my pick for Superman. No. And it's not Star-Lord Chris Pratt. I don't want Star-Lord Chris Pratt. I want Andy Chris Pratt Oh yeah, as Superman. Yeah. I want Superman for all seasons Superman <laughs> in my movies, and I think Chris Pratt could pull that off. Huh. And it's not I'm not talking Guardians of the Galaxy. I know he does Guardians of the Galaxy, everybody. But I want him as that Superman. And I, the looks I'm getting just right now big, or the looks I get whenever so I bring this up. Based on just the hometown <laughs> boy. The hometown the farm boy. boy, the big farm boy, you know, uh-huh. character. A little naive, but, you know, super powerful, does the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like he would be, and again, had he never been cast as Star-Lord, I feel like more people would be on board with me with yeah. this. So, so, that's does, my, so does this pick of yours predate Star-Lord? No, no, okay. It does. I did. I did think of it though. Watching Parks and Rec. Okay, <laughs> you know, one time it was probably a rerun by that point. But gotcha. Yeah. Well, one so okay. It just clicked with me one day on that. Well, when I made my list, I, I set myself up with two rules on making my list. Is that one, they couldn't be part of another major franchise, specifically thinking of the Marvel Cinematic. Right. So I would have, I would have eliminated yeah. him immediately, even from contention. Yeah. And then two, I, I wanted to be for sure that we could get, you know, at least ten years out of the, you know, out of the actors. So yeah. we're really looking at somebody. It's who's, such, it's such a dwindling pool though of is. characters who are, are of actors who aren't already tied to a superhero, superhero franchise. Yeah. So I have some that are. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, but my my first choice, it's like I'm going to cheat on my first choices. Just keep Cavill. <laughs> that's, oh yeah, that's actually, that's actually my number one choice. I, I, and I have I have multiple down for most of these selections. But my the first person I really thought about was, um, of course, he actually is part of me is Sam Worthington. I thought about no. him possibly as being a Superman. And then here's my here's my uh, black horse in this race is uh, Oscar Isaac, who is Poe Dameron out of uh, he got the hair at least, <laughs> right. you know. So he maybe doesn't have the physique, but he's got the he's got the hair to pull well, off. So <laughs> I mean, I think I think you throw the physique thing out the window because they're gonna pay to get these guys That's trainers. Training. They're going yeah. to Jim yes. Jones yeah. and they're getting yeah. jacked for these movies. <laughs> if you look yeah. at Andy Dwyer, so, Chris Pratt, and then exactly, Chris yeah. Pratt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that's gonna happen to anybody. So mm-hmm. I don't think I'm not really concerning myself with that. Yeah. But, right. but Sam Warden, he was in like the the Titan on Netflix. So I mean, he can do the he can do the sci-fi stuff. Of course, you know, Avatar, right? And mm-hmm. uh, so I, I he would you know after Cavill, he was the first person that I really thought of. So okay, so. You don't and know. I'm bad. I'm bad at this, so I pass. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. so. Brian, you want to contribute on uh, Superman? Uh, yeah. I, um, my first 
And actually, my well, I will say second because I do second the idea that I will wait for Cavill to be mm-hmm. available. Mm-hmm. He is that good. Yeah. Uh, my other uh, candidate was Tyler Hawkland, who played Superman yeah. on the Supergirl TV yeah, show. Yeah, I kind of wish. Second. I kind of wish that they would just give him a Superman show. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah. if you were going to do another uh, yeah. TV show, give it to this guy because I think he nailed yeah, he's Superman so and even he more is, importantly, huh? he nailed Clark Kent. Yeah. Because <laughs> I really, I, as, and I will join in the sacrilege here, as much as gravitas as Christopher Reeve brought to Superman, I really disliked his Clark Kent. Really? Because it was also like, well, gosh, Lois, you know, I, I, I don't know about this. I'm awful scared. You know, <laughs> That's a dark building in there. It's like, shut up. You're bulletproof, for God's sake. Just walk in there. You know, Because I, I grew up, you know, being a child of the 50s, I grew up in George Reeves. Oh, yeah. And his Clark Kent was not, oh, my my, my little tummy burns. I, I can't go in there. Pardon me while I duck into the storeroom. Um, so, you know, his Clark Kent was, you know, come on, Bill, you know, come on, Inspector Henderson, let's get out there. You follow me out there. You know, he was a, Clark Kent was a guy who took the reins. Mm-hmm. There was, in fact, there was very little differentiation between exactly. his Superman yeah. and his Clark Kent, mm-hmm. except one wore glasses, the other didn't. <laughs> uh, but I think Tyler Hockland did just such an amazing job on Supergirl. Mm-hmm. And he just hit all the right notes for me, that I would love to see him get some more opportunities to do that. I haven't watched a lot of Supergirl yet, and mm-hmm. the, I'm only a far into that series where he was still just kind of like mm-hmm. the, they didn't even, he I don't think they even cast him yet right. there was just like boots you or a cape a boot. or yeah. something right. you know mm-hmm. like that so he you knew Superman was around right. but you and never they were call, weren't they calling him at some point just the, the other guy or the big guy or the I big I don't even remember yeah, yeah. yeah they were like alluding to him yeah, yeah. right so, <laughs> so. alright All right. so who's Bat- next Batman you want this is this is your uh, give me one second because I just think I'm changing my mind Uh-oh. Uh-oh. on, <laughs> on Superman or Batman. Batman. Real time. Okay. okay, all right. Well, I'll go my Batman then. Now this is this is actually the one that I struggled with the most, and I really I, and I'm not happy with my choice because the person I chose here for Batman I'd rather see play somebody else. Mm-hmm. But um, the Batman I have written down is Ryan Gosling, and that's based off of uh, he can he can be serious um, uh, uh, like a uh, Blade Runner. Uh, you know, he kind of had that had relatively serious role, so I think he could pull it off. So that that would be my choice for Batman moving forward. I, I, you know, I saw I saw some other people have some different names out there, mm-hmm. but this is really the only one out of all of everybody I went through that I thought could maybe do it. Mm-hmm. So. Well, supposedly they talked to him around the time they cast Affleck. Oh, really? Yeah, he was really? one of the names yeah. that was coming up. And if you go watch Drive, he oh, could yeah. definitely pull Absolutely. off Batman after that. For sure. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> So did you change your mind? I changed my mind on Batman. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Sam Witwer, who was Darth Vader's secret apprentice in the Force Unleashed games. He was Doomsday, I think, on Smallville. He was on the, what was the monster show? It was like Being Human, maybe? I don't remember. But he's oh. done some smaller parts, but okay. I think he's got a good look. I think he could bring a good intensity for Batman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. You, you guys want to jump in on Batman? Yeah. I, well, unlike you, I refuse to live by rules. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, you know, cut loose with some money, uh, Warners. Let's see what you can do to lure someone away from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And if we're going to go with the world-weary uh, Bruce Wayne trying to get back into the suit, 
Josh Brolin. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, Josh Brolin that was another was one that came pick. up yeah. before. Because yeah. I think he, mm-hmm. he... He was my pick when they cast Affleck. Yeah. I really wanted to see... I did, yeah. too. I did, too. And mm-hmm. he's got a good sense of humor that we've seen yeah. in many of the really good Batman mm-hmm. uh, to mm-hmm. underscore a lot of the grimness right. that the characters build up around himself. So Josh Brolin was my... My main choice. And one reason why he actually was almost on my list, mm-hmm. and the reason why I didn't put him on, is he's technically is already in the DC universe because of Jonah Hex. That's right. Oh wow! So well, that's why some... that's why I didn't put him in. And I liked him in Jonah Hex. <laughs> I, I think he. I did thought a that was uh, yeah. That movie was again, better than what people give credit. Yeah, again, he's he's not the problem with that movie. No, no he's not. Far from it. <laughs> uh, so Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. I got Eva Green okay. from Casino mm-hmm. Royale. I think she'd be a good pick, and that was that was a one I struggled with for quite a while too, trying to come up with the right actress for that. Well, I just since we know that uh, Gal Gadot's got several, at least another one more, I just left her in. So gotcha. no, don't recast her, please. You know the No Man's Land scene, hey yeah. homage there, but oh, yeah. uh, the No Man's <laughs> Land scene in yeah. the Wonder Woman movie that just cemented her as Wonder Woman. She's got at least ten years left, so we don't right. have to recast her. We'll just keep her. And in, that's one so. the Warner Brothers didn't want that scene, right? Didn't the yeah. That's what had, the, yeah, had the director fight for that fought scene. for that scene. Right. Right. And, yeah. and, and that was just it's in the trailer. That's breathtaking. The made it. it was a wonderful scene, oh, yeah. and I, I agree. Nope, keep doing the right Gal. thing. I'm going up. Yeah, yeah. keep, yeah, keep Gal. I can't yeah. imagine anybody else. Yeah, because I up to up to the point when I saw Wonder Woman, I kept thinking Linda Carter is the only person who could ever <laughs> play Wonder Woman. And then about two minutes into Wonder Woman, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe someone else can now. That's fine. Right? Yeah. I mean, she was the highlight of Batman. Be Superman, and then yeah. of course her mm-hmm. own her own film. But yeah, I, and I was very skeptical when she was announced because mm-hmm. she's just uh, this is she's she's uh, she doesn't have the right physique. I didn't think for Wonder Woman, but she pulled off the role. Oh incredibly. yeah, I mean Wonder oh, Woman's yeah. an Amazon. Let's remember that she's big. She's a big girl. Mm-hmm. So yes. yeah, but uh, but yeah, <laughs> gotcha. Exactly. Uh, well, that was the big three. Are that was the big three. There, yeah, so, so Aqua, Aquaman, 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 Charlie Hunnam is my pick for Aquaman. That's we've talked about that for I years. I, he's, I, what else, I think what's he doing right now? Yeah, I know he's not doing Mayans. I'll tell you that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's been my pick for probably since before they cast Jason Momoa. I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really like to see him in that part. Mm-hmm. I got two down here, and I have one that I think is one of them actually kind of breaks my rule. <laughs> but uh, my my first pick was actually Liam Hemsworth, so um, for Aquaman because he would have more of the traditional you know Aquaman, Aquaman look. look. Mm-hmm. And then because this one, I don't know if we could actually get ten years out of him as an actor, but I don't know. I thought maybe Daniel Craig. Oh, so okay. as, uh, Ooh, I, he crossed Aquaman. my mind. Oh, really? yeah. Yeah. yeah, So I threw down Daniel Craig there for that one. So, <laughs> but he's probably I, you know he's got at least one, one more Bond movie, so it's going to be yeah. a little mm-hmm. bit. And I don't know what his age is right now. I didn't uh, go online and look up ages, no. but yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so he probably breaks my ten year rule. But uh, that was that was my but, second choice there. Yeah. <laughs> So where are we at now? Are we in a great land? Well, I'll take, I'll take oh, Aquaman. Yeah, 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 I was thinking Chris Hemsworth. Oh, yeah? Because yeah. he's got, you know, I, I think he's got the range mm-hmm. to do a good Aquaman. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm fond of Justin Hartley from the Smallville series. Oh. Uh, if we go for a more traditional, mm-hmm. comic-centric Aquaman, mm-hmm. I think he would be a good choice. And I've seen him. He's He still looks good. He, right. could, he could do it for another 10 years, too. Uh, yeah, so. and he'd be a little bit older. Yeah. I don't know, which probably would be 
it would be good for that part. I agree. It would yeah. probably give him a little more gravitas. Yeah. You could think that he actually could take over an undersea kingdom. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd agree with you on that. <laughs> right. As opposed to, like, a you know 22-year-old kid barely out of college. <laughs> yeah, Gosh, right. I, I sure love to Gee, rule the whiz. seven seas. Atlantis is keen. What a neat helmet. Oh, wait, it's a crown. Sorry. <laughs> Cy- cyborg? Cyborg. Uh, I'm uh, stealing from the other team because they seem to be done with him. Michael B. Jordan oh, is my wow. cyborg. Nice. Yeah. Good choice. After, choice. after yeah. Creed, I need mm-hmm. him in that part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, ha- I have Michael B. Jordan down as well. Mm-hmm. Um I, I feel like my, that choice was a little biased because there are definitely rumors going around about him as Superman. Yeah. That people that right. they're talking, you know, his name gets getting thrown around. It seems like it's too soon for that to actually be a legitimate right. mm-hmm. thing. Um, I, I don't see him as Superman myself. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like we need to, I didn't care for Cyborg that we had in uh, Justice League. So I would like to see a less CGI right. um, and a yeah. better actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so more focus on the actor and less on the cyborg stuff. A cyborg can still look like pretty much like a person. Now my odd pick for this one <laughs> is uh, Rami Malek, who of course is from Mr. Robot, right? And uh, and of course he's playing Freddie Mercury in the. Yeah. And the reason why is just because he has Mr. the. Robot. If if you think about Cyborg's ability and in, in interacting with computers, he's got this distant. You know, I'm not really in touch with the rest of the world type of stare thing that he can do as an actor, and I think that might fit into Cyborg. So that's kind of my, you know, odd pick there on that's, Cyborg. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean. I think Jordan. I think you know exactly. I think that's hard to yeah. argue. Yeah, you know? Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. Uh, although I wrote down Shaquille O'Neal because um, <laughs> just steal. Yeah, steal. You know, he's already been a DC movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't live by your rules, young man. Uh, but no, yeah, it's like uh, you know he needs something. You know, he did. He brought such gravitas to the role of steal that uh, I feel he could do it in this this case too. Yeah, I I agree with you, Scott. I was. Um, Less than fully thrilled with uh, the cyborg of the mm-hmm. Justice League mm-hmm. film. I mean, it wasn't bad at all, but I just didn't get a sense, the sense of authority from him that mm-hmm. I think a character like that should have had. Mm-hmm. There was, a, you know, he, he didn't bring out the uh, Wolfman Perez no, version yeah, of no. the character at all for me. Mm-hmm. And they they've had the need for that character to just ever since New Fifty Two right. to rev up that character's power level to make him kind of. At the level of a Superman, a, a Wonder right, Woman yeah. power level, and not, that character doesn't need to be at that power level. Just give mm-hmm. us a good actor, and you know we'll take a, a less powered version of that. Sure. So I just yeah. I think they need to focus more on the character than on the power set of, mm-hmm. the, of the character. So, so Green Green Lantern, Green Lantern. Okay, I, I have a bunch I'm, for Green Lantern. I'm ready so I got for a this list. one. I got I'm a ready. List for Green Lantern. Yes, I am. My Green Lantern is Dean Winters. I'm getting some blank stares. I don't know who that is. I'll so. tell you right now, you all know who this oh, I'm is. I'm sure I do. He has been on 30 Rock and Rescue Me, and most of us now are going to know him as Mayhem from the Allstate oh, commercials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Right, yes. I, want, I want him. Oh, he, yeah. he, will be play, he will be playing Guy Gardner in my Justice League. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. with you on that one. Yeah. You nailed it there. Yeah, yes. that is great. That's brilliant, Dan. <laughs> I've got, I, actually, I have four. I have four okay. down for Green Lantern. Do you have specific characters or all Hal Jordan? Or all, well, how are you breaking that and up? They all, as far as I'm concerned, they could all be Hal Jordan. Okay. But one of them, if they want to do Jon Stewart, Specifically, mm-hmm. then it would be that would be the John Stewart choice. Um, my first choice, and I'm actually torn on this person between Green Lantern and Flash, is John Krasinski 
from The Office. Oh, nice. uh-huh. yeah. And he, of course, you, everybody should know that he was almost Captain America. Right. And yeah. now I'm glad we got Chris Evans, but um, John Krasinski, I mean, he could do the smart Alec, mm-hmm. and he's he's gotten a little buff. If you, he's, yeah. uh, he's on the Jack, he's Ryan, the Jack and Ryan and Amazon, and he's... Oh, so, is he? I hadn't noticed. I hadn't heard anything yeah, about that. No. <laughs> they were advertising that for, for months now, all right? So, uh, I, so, again, I don't know about him for this one but i want him in the rebooted justice league mm-hmm. um I, I have now michael b jordan as well i don't care if he's hal jordan or john stewart either mm-hmm. way um mm-hmm. there's nothing about um hal jordan's origin that says that he has to be a caucasian american mm-hmm. so i would be yeah. fine with him as hal jordan or fine with him as john stewart either way they wanted to go uh i thought about asa butterfield who was ender in ender's game mm-hmm. now he's I wasn't overly impressed with him um, in Ender's Game, but somebody I could throw out there. And then another one that I have down for a couple, um, believe it or not, is Justin Timberlake. Uh, <laughs> I've heard worse. <laughs> he's uh. done. He's done some acting, and he's he's done some sci-fi type movies, and they yeah. weren't awful. So JT can apparently do more than just sing. So yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm considering JT for for some of them as well. So <laughs> all right, I'm done. <laughs> well, you were ready, Sir Brian. Yeah, I'm I'm Take ready. It. I yeah, I, I hadn't thought about uh, John Stewart, but uh, I like Michael B. Jordan. I mm-hmm. like that answer. Yeah, for sure. I, I was also thinking if you want to use him in the role that he has now, you know, John Stewart in the Green Lantern books is almost like an elder statesman mm-hmm. for the group. I was thinking Idris Elba. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You yeah. know, for that I want one. him in everything, though. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I do, too. Even Wonder Woman. Um, and, and for Green Lantern, of course, I always believe in second chances, so I want Ryan Reynolds, please, just yeah. one more time. I think I he could do I feel like it. he's put a button on that. I think Deadpool 2 yeah. kind of gave his opinion of uh, his odds of returning to the role. Right. Uh, but my second choice was David Tennant. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about David Tennant for Doctor yeah. Who. I think mm-hmm. he could pull off the the initial uh, lack of expertise because that's one thing I think was missing from the first movie. See, I yeah. of yeah. course being elderly, I uh, <laughs> I remember the old the first year or two of Green Lantern. It was kind of cool. My lantern is talking to me. It's sending me places. Who's on the other end? We didn't know about the Guardians of the Universe mm-hmm. at that point. And I think that was kind of like a, a slight mistake in the post-crisis reboot that immediately we got to see the um, the Guardians of the Gal- the Universe and right. the, thus that element of surprise mm-hmm. was taken away from mm-hmm. the readers. Uh, but yeah, David Tennant, I think, could pull off that that uh, innocent at first, but then growing into the role of, mm-hmm. of a Green Lantern. And then you mentioned um, uh, Justin Timberlake, which I don't think is horrible. Um, <laughs> but it got me thinking about boy bands of the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Marky Mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would be the first Green Lantern is BVDs, but... Right. Uh, <laughs> You, know, you, yeah. you you conjure up the uh, uniform you want. Oh, you know, you this guy's going to be comfortable. <laughs> right. With uh, with David Tennant, though, I mean, he's shown that he can actually do more than just be kind of the. I mean, with Broadchurch and then as Purple Man oh, and, sure. the, yeah. and Jessica Jones. I mean, he's got a pretty good range as an actor. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah, that's a good choice. I like that. Yeah, I do too. I, 
Yeah. He could he can be in the the new DC. He put him as Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't put him as Wonder Woman. He's yeah. that good an actor. You know, we yeah. got a female Doctor Who. We can have a male Wonder Woman now. So, <laughs> Flash, uh, Flash. Uh, I've got Bradley Cooper. Oh, I think yeah. he'd be a good mm-hmm. pick, and I want him as Wally. Wally, I, you know, that's yeah. just how I roll. Uh, I don't think it's as big a deal just because he was just the voice of Rocket right. for Marvel. Yeah. You know, you didn't see him on the screen, so I don't think that's and too much And it didn't sound like Bradley Cooper. Yeah, you know, exactly. he did a character. No, that's true. So I don't think yeah. anybody would be too upset about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got three down for The Flash, and all three of them I have used uh, previously. So Shaquille my- O'Neal. What <laughs> 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 that was mine, sorry. Yeah, so I've got uh, John Krasinski down again. Mm-hmm. I've got Ryan Gosling down again, and I have Justin Timberlake down again. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, the big three, we call it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the real DC Trinity right there. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, so now the one, I mean, really, you know, I could see my first choice for either, for both Green Lantern and Flash is John Krasinski, which obviously presents a problem. Mm-hmm. So I don't know which one I would prefer him as would be as for my choice. Mm-hmm. I, I could see that going either way. So, um, but I don't. You know, I think they could all do Barry Allen. I'm I'm on the Barry Allen team. Yeah. So, and we know like so. With uh, with Jack Ryan, we know that um, Krasinski can do like the procedural type stuff in addition mm-hmm. to being the superhero. I think mm-hmm. so. So he might be my first choice there, and let somebody else be Green Lantern. So right, yeah, yep. Flash, well, I, Flash, <laughs> Flash for me, uh, he's doing such a good job on TV. Oh, yeah, Why not Grant Gustin? Yeah, right. Yeah, there's a lot of people that would feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of uproar when he wasn't cast after season one. Uh, the Flash, I would agree, would have agreed with that. But mm-hmm. as we've gone farther into the TV series, I'm less confident that he could pull it off on the big screen. I think he's good for TV. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would be great on the big screen. Have the yeah, yeah I don't know if, the weight. Yeah, to pull that's, it off. That's, I, I could yeah. see that. Yeah. And it's not that the Flash has been bad. I just, mm-hmm. I just, yeah, yeah, I just don't see that. But I, I, I still would take him over Ezra Miller. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, 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 yeah I would agree. Yeah. I, and I, it may, and it may be, it may be the case where they just because of how they put, portrayed Barry. Yeah, portrayed yeah. Barry as this yeah. novice who knew nothing yeah, and right. Uh, yeah, you know, it's young Barry. Barry still, even though he was young, he was not dumb. Yeah, he exactly. was not stupid. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, so that's the thing I had with that. <laughs> you know. All right. Well, you so, added Martian Man. I got Martian so Man. There you go. Bonus. Uh, and I'm picking Idris Elba and for my Martian Manhunter. I think I think you have CG and makeup on your side. You don't have to worry about ten years with him. No, yeah, right. Uh, I was trying to think of someone a little weirder, and when you said Rami Malek, I'm like, why didn't I think of him? Oh, <laughs> I think he'd be another good pick too, just to get sort of an alien feel, you know, mm-hmm. kind of vibe mm-hmm. he could give off. In He's that got role. those crazy wide eyes. Yeah, you know? yeah. it's just. It's just it's, like, yeah. And I had Idris Elba as well for Martian Manhunter. Uh, yeah, yeah. So did I. Yes. Yes. Idris Elba is going to play Martian Man. There we go. We decided to hear first. Make it happen, DC. Three for three, so call it. So so now after all this discussion about Justice League, all I can think about is Dean Winters as Guy Gardner. So, yes, that's that's pretty brilliant. 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 So I also worked up a Legion of Doom. Look at you. (laughs) Wow. Real quick if you guys want. You know there's no extra credit, right? I I feel like such an underachiever at this point. Wow. You contributed. I just sat here like a lump. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Yeah, uh, once this came up, I just ran with it. Yeah, uh, Black Mana, Michael K. Williams from The Wire and Boardwalk Empire. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's not a fake scar. <laughs> That's oh. real. Mm-hmm. I think he really can bring a weight to that. Uh, again, this is another one that people don't want to get on board with me <laughs> with. But Joker is Tilda Swinton. 
Oh. I want Tilda Swinton to play oh, the Joker. That is I, genius. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not switching genders. I want her playing a male Joker. Well, yeah, like Michael the Archangel. Yeah, right. Yeah. Constantine. That's yeah. genius. Yeah. No, that's not a bad. That's no. really good. Yeah. Captain Cold, Danny McBride. I want a scumbag Captain Cold <laughs> that will just straight up freeze you to death. Uh-huh. So I don't, yeah. see, my problem is I don't know a lot of actors' names, so I don't right. know what he's been in. So. Uh, he's in those Mountain Dew commercials. You know, he's just he's a goofy actor. Down, down, Thunder. Down. Okay. Uh, he runs with those guys like Seth Rogen, and he's the other kind of curly head guy that runs yeah. with those guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sinestro, I'm picking Richard Armitage from BBC's Robin Hood. He played Guy of Gisborne. Yes. He was oh, in the yeah. Hobbit movies. Perfect. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there was some probably just fan talk of like him playing Batman online and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cersei, I'm picking Mila Kunis for nice. that role. I think okay. she could pull that off. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> uh, hard thumbs down from Scott. <laughs> <laughs> after 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 Jupiter ascending, I don't think she can act. Oh, so. I didn't see oh, that. Wow. Yeah, it was it was terrible, and she was terrible. So uh, I'm going to mispronounce this name, but it's a uh, Malefic, which is the Martian Manhunter villain, mm-hmm. and I'm picking Forrest Whitaker. He's another Martian. He's like an evil Martian, mm-hmm. basically. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So I'm going to pick him. Uh, Deathstroke. I kept trying to think of somebody else, but I kept going back to Liam Neeson. I oh, know yeah. he's been in there. I know he's done this. Mm-hmm. He had said before he would come back to play Rachel Ghoul on an Arrow. Just scheduling didn't work out, so I feel like he'd be up for coming back to this universe. Yeah, Lex Luthor. I want John Hamm to play my Lex Luthor. There was some talk a couple years ago online of Tom Hanks maybe playing a part like that, no. and I think you get a similar thing with Hamm. Where it's like you're used to him being the good, nice guy. Mm-hmm. I think he could be the public face in Metropolis, but just with the real kind of seedy side to him, you know. Yeah, yeah. Which and we I, saw a little bit of that coming through that episode of Black Mirror. Yeah, with him in the you know that one episode mm-hmm. where you yeah. Kinda, so you don't want to keep Jesse Eisenberg as uh, as a yeah, Lex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. He's yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but that's think, those are my picks for. Uh, yeah. Legion of Doom. To so go who do you have slate. for um, who do you have for like the Royal Flush Gang? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say Sam Rockwell. <laughs> He's got. I it. had to ask. Yeah, <laughs> you know, your I'm gonna say Olivia Wilde. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Try, this all, all this will be Brian's last episode. He's stirring the pot here. <laughs> so so we usually do this thing with creators when mm-hmm. we try to interview them. Sure. Uh, and then I'll I'll just start, and Mike, you can just add questions that you want to add. But okay. Like, so we we kind of have this regular set of questions that we ask um, different creators whenever we get a chance to interview them. Mm-hmm. So like the first question for you then, Brian, would be: Is do you remember? what your first comic book was or your first um, experience with comics? Well, um, two different answers. My first experience with comics was when I was very, very young, almost barely ambulatory. <laughs> uh, we lived in a, My family lived in a small community in East Central Illinois, Olivet, which had a mom-and-pop store. Mm-hmm. And I remember my parents putting me in the corner by the newsstand and saying, go over there, look at the pictures in the comics. Mm -hmm. And that's where they would keep me while the grown-ups talked. (laughs) Um, And relatively out of trouble. Uh, Now, the first comic I clearly remember reading, I'm blanking out on the number, but I remember it was a Superman comic, which uh, probably explains my out-of-control Kryptonian fetishes. (laughs) And um, it was one where... 
Perry and Lois and Clark had gone into this cave and wound up somehow in another dimension. And this dragon was like breathing fire on them. And, and of course, it was under a red sun, so Superman naturally had no powers. And so he was doing like all kinds of clever things right. to try to <laughs> keep from getting like burned alive by the dragon. And I remember it was a Wayne Boring artwork. Mm -hmm. I remember that distinctly. And it was from there that... Um, Superman comics basically led to me wanting to learn to read. Huh. Uh, and I was the only kid in first grade in Fraser School in Georgetown, Illinois, uh, who could spell the word invulnerable and knew what it meant. <laughs> <laughs> so comics are useful. Comics are and very educational, educational yes. That's, that's where I learned the term uh, homo sapien was from, uh, from X-Men comic books. Yeah. Oh, Because uh, the, the regular people were homo sapien and all the X-Men right. were homo superior. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, there you right. go. Science. Science. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So in the, who would you, would you, is there anybody that you would credit as an influence um on your work from from like the comic industry well uh writing both novels and short or short stories you know prose let's call it and comics um stan lee is a huge influence uh stan for all the knocks he's taken over the years for his uh alleged credit hogging um, I think it's one of the best writers and editors in comics because he understood the importance of visuals. Mm -hmm. And that's why he knew to let a Jack Kirby or a Steve Ditko or a Don Heck have their way in presenting the visuals to, to move the story along, to uh, create the narrative. But by the same token, his dialogue brought out the character and brought out the nuance in the, the other people in whatever he was writing and mm -hmm. he managed to give everybody a, a fairly distinctive voice which was something that was i think sorely lacking from other companies not just dc but all other companies at the time so i would say definitely stan lee and of course we have to say alan moore mm -hmm. um because i think one of his main strengths aside from bringing like a almost poetic narrative to comic books that he also was not afraid to look at comics in a different way, mm -hmm. to kind of turn things on their ear and then move along the way and see how it plays out eventually. Like you look at his Miracle Man, which started out in Warrior as just basically an updating, mm -hmm. a more realistic version of a classic character in Britain, you know, like their Captain Marvel, by the same token it turned into a very dark strip as he explored the idea of a superhero who will enforce his will to create a utopia. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, then there's others, you know, Roy Thomas was a huge influence on me because uh, he almost brought almost a scholarly view and uh, a pop culture appreciation to comics. And of course, Joe Gill because um, he appeals to my pulp sensibilities about the guys that you know could just turn on their creativity and just literally beat a typewriter to death with his fingertips. And there's been a number of other writers, which my list changes <laughs> almost constantly, but uh, these are these are my go-to guys pretty much. So So which of the of your past works would you say is either the best example? Somebody were just gonna do read one thing that you had written. Which would you say is the one that you're most proud of or is the best example of you as a writer? That's a good question. Um, I would say probably 
the one I would like to think is most representative of me is the original Skyman Battles the Master of Steam. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very proud of that book because uh, I got to take somebody else's character <laughs> and bring a new sensibility to it. Uh, it's proven very popular. It's it's gotten a lot of good reviews. It's gotten a lot of acceptance from not just my readers, but um, the new pulp movement. Um, it I, I, and it shows you know again you know my roots as a reader. Mm-hmm. I think I grew up in the era when I was when I started reading more popular works aside from like Frankenstein. That was my first grown-up book in air quotes um and i moved from there to doc savage Mm -hmm. and from there i discovered the pulps like the phantom detective the shadow and again all those old guys which then led me into uh science fiction and robert e howard and isaac asimov and all these you know great writers from the 20s to the 50s Mm -hmm. that really i think more than anybody influenced how i write anymore Mm -hmm. And also that sense of adventure mixed with a sense of wonder, and that there really were no rules. Mm-hmm. So, so now I know you also have like I think it is the only actual valiant like prose book with Bloodshot. Is that correct? Well, I did, I did. Um, my very first book. Um, you see, I lost my job six years ago, my day job, uh, because the stock at the company underperformed, so 26 other people in the state of Illinois and I were let go. Uh, but since I was already doing freelance writing, I wasn't uh, terribly worried about my future. Um, so I just continued with that with the support of my beloved wife, Cookie. God bless her. Uh, and so I very... Being the mercenary I am, I thought, well, let's tap into an existing fan base for you know instant acceptance. And at the time, Amazon had a program called uh, Kindle Worlds, where they had secured the rights to various intellectual properties, such as not just the Valiant Comics universe, but also shows like Pretty Little Liars, uh, The Vampire Diaries. They eventually got Veronica Mars, G.I. Joe, and a whole bunch of other IPs in different um, genres, but I selected uh, Bloodshot because one, I was a huge Bloodshot fan, particularly from the original Valiant run, mm-hmm. and again, my my um, my pandering to an already uh, existing <laughs> fan base. Um, so I ha- and I had fun writing the book, and it was the actual first time I'd ever completed a novel that I could actually show people. I had completed one novel right after I went to uh, college. I, I, I think I wrote it over my my summer vacation between my freshman and uh, you know sophomore years. And I told people that I would rather that a sex tape with me surface <laughs> than this book. It was like... There Your was, bloodshot book? My, no, no, my bloodshot no, no, book was no, fine. Okay. It was the first book I wrote okay. when I was back in my 20s. Gotcha, okay. And I, I was just thoroughly humiliated by it. I never even... I couldn't even bring myself to do a second draft on it. So I, I made sure that thing was destroyed when I moved to Indiana. Um, but yeah, I, I, I started out with... You, 
please try to recover Scott. And, and I'm just, I'm just going to say for the record, Brian, that I would rather read that draft no matter how bad it was. Okay, just for the record. Oh, no, you wouldn't. Oh, no. oh, 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 I'm pretty sure. Remember, remember the Dark, remember dark Knight? Uh, or rather, uh, the uh, Heath Ledger Joker? You'd be teaching yourself the uh, pencil trick. Okay, it was that bad. Uh, but no, I, uh, there was nothing salvageable from that thing, trust me. Um, it, it read like a... Uh, a person that was uh, terribly in love with them, their intellect um, uh. and with no real world experience which coincidentally happened to be me at the time <laughs> so um, but no uh, then I from there I wrote um, another book that was based on a 10 minute play I had written for uh, a, a production I used to be a playwright and I'd written a play called Santa Stein uh, that was deemed a little um, irreverent <laughs> Uh, just because Dr. Frankenstein made Santa Claus out of pieces of the dead. I don't know where anyone could get that impression. But uh, then I decided to turn that into a book, so I expanded it. And uh, that, that's been my bestseller so far. And then from there I moved into other books, you know, just as the whim took me. So. Should, you should talk a little bit about Volcana. I should, uh, especially since I'm writing the sequel currently. <laughs> and Volcana originally started out as a um, comic book project, which was... Um, a continuation of the old Charlton Son of Vulcan, which was one of those books that you read when you're young and you're 10 years old and think, this is crap. <laughs> it's, it, there's nothing salvageable about this. And then you read it as an adult, you know, yeah, this is pretty good. Mm -hmm. This isn't half bad. There's some good ideas in here. Well, I, I decided then, well, because DC got son of Vulcan mm -hmm. and um, I would rather like backslap a uh, mama bear with her cub at her knees than uh, take on the uh, legal system with warners um, so I started changing it to well what if it was the current day what if it was a woman who got it how would she get these powers etc and eventually I created Angelique Forge who was somebody I liked you know that it, it, I wrote a character that I would hang with that I would ask, you know, hey, I'm going out for pizza. You want to meet me down at the bar or something? And you know, she was just a well-rounded character, very human. And then we throw her in all kinds of impossible situations. And I've gotten a lot of kudos for how I handle it. I, I'm, I'm pleased with the fact that I can write a, a realistic female, mm -hmm. a realistic person. And that's something I learned from Volcana. And currently I am writing the uh, Prometheus cover-up, which is the sequel to um, Volcana. And I'm, I, I had to go back and research the first book, so I reread the first book and fell in love with Angelique again. <laughs> and the book is flowing. Um, when I spend a day when I can't write anything ab about it, uh, it almost feels like I forgot to brush my teeth mm -hmm. that day. You know, you just, you know, like, I want to get back to it because it, I, I just like the world that she's in, which is basically a world where all the gods existed, mm -hmm. each and every one of them. And she's got a lot more mysteries that we're alluding to. And plus, I can't wait to get to the third book, which um, I think I've told you the story, Scott, about what the book title will be. Um, well... It's about a the, the plot of the third book. Well, the second book is about um, Angelique is going to um, the edges of Asgard to look for Prometheus because he figures into something that we're working in into the book series. Uh, the third book is about a woman 
And I don't feel I'm giving anything away. Uh, in fact, you'll probably be wanting me to skip the second book and go straight to the third. Um, because it's about a woman who discovers that in this world, the goddess of love is missing. And she's thinking, you know, I lead an ordinary life. I would love to have that much influence. I'd love to have that much power and authority. I want to be the goddess mm -hmm. of love. I'm really jealous of her. I really want that position. So the third book will be called Volcana. Venus Envy. <laughs> so you talked about a couple of the upcoming pro those uh -huh. upcoming projects. Are there any other upcoming projects you can you want to talk about at this time? Uh, let's see. Okay, book the next four hours. Yes, okay. um, I've always got something in the hopper. That's the fun part of self-publishing. You know that uh, I primarily publish for myself, but I am what they call a hybrid writer in that other people now want to publish my stuff, which. Mm -hmm feeds my bloated ego like no tomorrow uh but uh what i'm working on right now is a short story uh called uh lycanthropes anonymous about a support group for werewolves okay. that a friend of mine is uh publishing in an anthology coming soon uh i'm working on a book proposal for another anthology with another publisher uh i'm continuing to work on the volcana series plus we're going to be doing novellas about uh, volcana and uh, we're going to be doing more comic books. Uh, we've recently released the Ghostly Tales of Spencer Spook, or the revival of the old character. Um, that came out about three months ago or so, the very successful Kickstarter campaign. Uh, we are now working on the sequel. We are also going to work uh, on Eric Hawkins, who worked with me on uh, Spencer Spook, is also going to be working with me on a revival of Nature Boy, the Charlton character in the public domain by Jerry Siegel and John Basema. And then after that, we're going to be doing, um, hopefully, getting around to uh, issues with Skyman. So nice. there's always something in the hopper. I'm always busy because years ago, somebody said, if you know, an idle mind is the devil's playground, <laughs> my mind would be Disneyland. <laughs> so I have to keep busy. It, it, it behooves me to stay busy. So for people who want to keep up with all your projects, what is the best way to keep keep tabs on you, I guess to say? Uh, check with the NSA. <laughs> um, no, I, seriously, um, I am on Twitter, uh, Brian K. Morris, because if I use a pseudonym, I won't remember what it is. Uh, I'm also on Instagram as briank.morris. Patterns beginning to emerge here. But probably the best way is to go to my Rising Tide Publications page on Facebook or to... My webpage, which is risingtide.pub, okay. which has nothing to do with food and drink. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so anything else you want to add? or? Um, no, I'll let you have control of your show again. All Thank right. you for yeah. having me on here. This oh, is yeah. wonderful. Well, I... Thanks for being here. I mean, if you go to any con or you uh -huh. know anything genre-related get-together, you most likely know who Brian is. But, I mean, you're just one of the busiest guys I've ever met. Your energy's tireless. You're an inspiration to me because, you know, it's just like you're a hard-working man. And I just love seeing you there. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, I, and I, I love getting out. I love meeting the public. I, I Like today, as we're talking about right. this, we, we did Batman Day here mm -hmm. at... Uh, uh, the comic shop here, and uh, I had a great time. Thank oh, you for having me. Sure, thanks for uh, coming. Oh, thank you. But, but it's like I learned early on that these books are not going to sell themselves. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. and somebody's got to do you it. So keep them in front of people. Right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 So if you're if you go to a show and you see a guy in a, a fez and a bow tie with long sideburns, that's likely to be me. <laughs> so um, and I mean, plus I also like mentoring mm -hmm. other people that want to get into this because I tell people that. Particularly about self-publishing, I'm almost evangelical in my zeal mm -hmm. 
for it. Uh, I think it is a great way to build credits that you can parlay into getting work from other people, other publishers, if that's where you want to go. Um, and, you know, of course, I, you know, I just in, enjoy my con families everywhere <laughs> around the Midwest, and I'm now, like, in seven states. I don't know what's <laughs> wrong with me. <laughs> so, well, if you want to bump into Brian... Uh, and, of course, also Campus Comics and Berg Comics. We've got the Saluki Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And Dan will be there as well, I, I think. Saluki Comic Con, mm-hmm. yeah, so. September 29th and 30th. And then you're also going to be at uh, Paducah Galaxy of Heroes. No, I'm not. Oh, I actually, not. No, oh, I, accidentally, okay. I accidentally uh, triple booked myself that day. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, I, I blame the... Um, the program I was using and not talking to the old program I was using ah. to keep my uh, appearances straight. No, I actually triple booked myself. I'm rather proud of that. <laughs> uh, no, but I will be at Kokomo Con in uh, Kokomo, Indiana. Uh, in November, I will be, I'm I'm going to be a guest at Dark History, uh, the Dark History Show in Urbana, Illinois, which is kind of a horror slash paranormal slash uh, you name it environment. Uh, uh if you like spooky fun, this is where to go. Um, and who knows where else I'm popping up. I, I don't know. I, I told myself this year I wasn't going to be as busy as I was last year. I lied. Um, but I'm glad because people are saying, Brian, would you come to this event? And I'm like, well, gosh, sure. You know, if, if my program works and I don't triple book myself, yeah, I'd love to be there. Yeah, no problem. So, um, But yeah, I, I love being busy. I, I really do, and I get to see so many cool people and hang out with some great folks. So it's 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 a good life. Okay, all right. So you can see Berg Comics, Campus Comics, and Brian Morris at Carbondale at Saluki Comic Con, and see Berg Comics and Campus Comics at the Paducah Galaxy of Heroes uh, Con in uh, on October thirteenth mm-hmm. in Paducah. Mm-hmm. Right. I'll miss you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So anybody else got anything we want to? Put a button on it, or we get to go. Dan, you good? Good. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that'll do it for this extra special. Thanks to our special guest Brian K. Morris. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming for Batman Day and hanging around with us afterwards. I Thank know you, you got some other stuff going on this weekend. Good luck with that. I Thank you very it, much. I hope it goes well and is a just a glorious success for you. Thank you. But. Um, this is uh, Mike at Campus Comics. Again, we're right here at 816B East Main Street in Carbondale, Illinois. Uh, phone number 618-457-6011. Follow us on Facebook at uh, Campus Comics page on Facebook. I know we're supposed to be getting the Twitter thing up. If you notice, is it out there at all? You know, uh, the page is up. Okay. That's about it so Not far, much I going think. on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I'll be uh, there'll be stuff coming on there. Task that to somebody else, and because I don't know it yet, but I got to learn it. <laughs> Same with Instagram and all that stuff. So we're gonna have. I'll talk to you about that. I'm good at that stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna have a bigger social media presence, but I'm kind of a luddite. I'm slow with that. I got to pick that up as we go. But uh, those are ways to get a real hold of me, Scott. Uh, Scott Reed, uh, BirdComics.com. B-U-R-G. Uh, check out my eBay store, stores.ebay.com/slash/BirdComics. And Dan Brown at Detective Six Five One on Twitter, WordPress, and DeviantArt. And real quick for our guest Bryant, I got my Royal Flush Gang cast worked oh, out. Right, here we right. go. All right, so I've got King Vigo Mortensen. Ooh, yeah. nice. Queen Olivia Wilde. Of course. Jack Sam Rockwell. Mm-hmm. Ten Karen Gillan. And Ace Terry Cruz. Well, there you go. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> now the Monster Society of Evil. <laughs> <laughs> for another day. Well, whenever they reprint that story, I can come up with it and let you know. 
right, which they're not likely yeah. to do. Right? No, they're not. They keep, about every ten years, they tease me with a reprint. Right, it, never it doesn't happen. How they taunt us. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, Brian, your contact info to take us out here is. I'm at, what you're with. I'm on Twitter okay. as Brian K. Morris. I'm on Instagram as Brian gotcha. K. Uh, dot Morris. I have the website at uh, risingtide.pub mm-hmm. because a rising tide raises all ships. Mm-hmm. Um, also uh, on Rising Tide Publications on uh, Facebook. Oh, and also I should mention that Monday and Thursday mornings, 9.30 Eastern, I have a Facebook live show mm-hmm. called uh, Nevermind the Furthermore. And on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., <laughs> I have a show called Clever Title Pending, which a lot of people don't realize is the, <laughs> the title, title of the show. Yes. You know, I keep getting great suggestions, but it's, it's like, no, we pick the title. It's okay. It. But anyway, you uh, uh, you come onto those pages, and uh, if you're there live, you get to plug, there just like I do. So mm-hmm. come on, and we'll have a conversation. Sounds great. And they are entertaining. Yes. So, yeah, you can <laughs> tune in quite often. All right, well, I guess that'll do it for this special edition of Campus Comics Cast. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk at you next time. 